When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With the McDonald's app, you can get your favorite thing delivered to your door. So if you were looking for a reason to skip washing those dishes you left in the sink, consider this a sign. Right now, get $0 delivery fee with any purchase of $15 or more, only in the app. At participating McDonald's, minimum purchase excludes tax and service fees. Delivery prices may be higher than in restaurants. Other fees may apply, not valid with any other offer, discount, or coupon. Progressive presents Don't Do It Yourself. Okay, read me the manual. Using a Phillips screwdriver, What was that? This sounds like another language to me. Okay, maybe we should bundle our home and auto with Progressive. We could save big, then pay someone to do it for us. Maybe. What's next? Next, Pony Ostium Pronus and Terra. Was that one Latin? Save when bundling home and auto with Progressive and use the money to, you know, not do it yourself. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third party insurers. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. It is your instant match reaction for Southampton 2, Everton 0, Everton lose for the first time in any game this season. Uh, they're still top of the Premier League, but it was a poor performance today. Uh, joining us shortly will be Dave Downey. Uh, those watching on YouTube will be able to see that. Mark Mosey joins me now. Um, Mark, you and Dave have been arguing in the group chat. Maybe he's just not up for the, the scrap being on this on this uh, this post match because he's not here. Yeah, I mean, as viewers will be able to tell, I am incredibly aggressive and menacing. Um, so if he has if he has thrown it in, then it's very much on the Everton narrative. But um, yeah, I think that there was a couple of things that were up for debate. Obviously, Luca Dean's red card will be one of them, but. I think we'll all be unified in our disappointment of, of how we played today and obviously the result because I think it was one that we all had a little bit of trepidation coming into this week uh, for, for numerous reasons. But I think the first 20 minutes probably enlightened us a bit and gave us a, that little bit of false hope and that bit of promise. Um, what, what you have become accustomed to seeing is, is Carlo Ancelotti's Everton being very good at coming from behind. Um, ironically, against a team who are very poor at holding leads, I think even when we did lose that goal, there was there was room for optimism for the rest of the game. But I think the the main narrative today will be reaction, not reacting to the first goal, not reacting in the second half, and ultimately the reaction after the red card. Um, your manager shouldn't have to stand on the sideline and tell your players not to give up. And as much as we all knew that the game had gone, and people like Hammers, who were from a physical point of view not at the races, I think the towel was thrown in a little bit too early for my liking today. But I think on the whole, obviously, as a, as a start of a season, the, the promise and the hope of, of a good season is clearly still there, but it still doesn't take away how, how damaging and, and how disappointing days like today are. Yeah, and I think that the word you use there, reactions, is right. I think, because if you look at the game sort of as a whole, I think for the first 20, I can't remember exactly when they scored, it must have been on about 25 minutes, yeah. but... The first 20 minutes, it felt like both teams were sort of in a similar place with the performance. You know, there were, there were good moments from both. Mm-hmm. And neither team were quite hooking it up completely in the final third. It looked like both sides of the way of getting into the final third, down their respective left-hand side. But then once they got into those positions, it never really quite came off. And both teams had little chances. Obviously, Sigurdsson hits the bar for us. Redmond goes close for them. And they score. 
what is you know disappointing from from Keane and Dean, you know, think defensively, but it's 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 a tidy goal to be fair. They move it quickly. It's a good finish, um, and I think where we've been good this season, like you said, is is in reacting to to those setbacks and and being able to to overcome them and just keep playing your footy and keep your head and stay steady. But it just felt like as soon as that first goal went in, all the good things that we were doing in those those twenty minutes, and you know it wasn't perfect by any means, but there were some good aspects of our play. Mm. Just completely fell apart, and you know I think I'm sure we'll talk about it in a bit more detail later. But I think if you could embody that in a football, it was Alex Iwobi, wasn't it? He just completely fell to bits after after that opening goal. But yeah, just disappointing. We couldn't really keep our heads after after that point, and, and just mind, like play our way back into contention in the match, what we've done so so many times this season. It, it felt like the first goal was going to be crucial, uh, and I know we chatted off air before we we hit record today about how flexible and how, how flipping goals can be in this league at the moment. There is going to have to be a, an acceptance that when you do go one goal down, some Premier League games are going to have six or seven in them. Um, so there's by no means a reason for heads to drop. I think that if Everton were to have got that, that goal in that first 20-minute spell when, when the dominance was clearly there, if, if Sigerson's goal was to go in, for example, it probably could have turned into one of those more comfortable afternoons for us. But what you can't do is what we've already referenced in that when a team like Southampton do get one or, or possibly two quick ones against you, th- there has to be a realistic view there that you are still in the game. Um, you rightly say that Alex Awobi was the personification of Everton today. Great in that first 15, 20 minutes. Showed all sorts of, of hope and promise for the rest of the game. But as soon as the tide changed and the game went against Everton and more specifically against him, his head was gone. And in a in a selection quandary that we had going into this game, whereby we're not quite sure who was going to replace Richarlison on the left-hand side, probably the nod that you give a Wobie ahead of someone like Anthony Gordon is the fact that the professionalism and the experience is there to deal with in-game situations like we were faced with today. You, you probably do afford Gordon the type of performance that Awobi put in, purely due to aging and experience. Mm-hmm. But what you do expect from Awobi is none of that. You, you expect him to know that the game is still there, appreciate what sort of match he's in, manage the moment that, that the game is in at that current time. He, look, he looks like a lost soul all too often. He looks like he needs six or seven touches where... Unfortunately, we've got players like Hammers now that, that are highlighting that you only need one or two. And as much as we're not expecting Iwobi to, to move on echelons in terms of quality just because Hammers is now there, you do expect a little bit more nous on the ball. We're not even talking about ruthless moments in front of goal and creating assists and scoring. We're talking about just trapping a simple ball. I, I know that Michael Keane's early in the first half was, was way too far ahead of him. But we, we saw Hammers pinging those left foot of ball yeah. out to the left-hand side. And Alex Iwobi kind of just fumbling with his chest out of play. It's just not good enough for this team at the moment. And the nature of, of being a successful side is that people like Carlo Ancelotti are going to spot your weaknesses and you're going to be hooked at half-time. And you're probably not going to see Alex Iwobi for a couple of weeks now because the standard has been set and he just absolutely wasn't there today. Yeah, those watching on YouTube will be able to see that Dave Darney's joined us. Uh, we actually had a, a comment there, Dave, uh, from Adam Steele in the, the comments box saying, Dave, looks like he means business. Uh, how, how do you feel after that? You know, we've sort of just said that, you know, overall the season, start of the season has been great. So that's going to be the caveat to all this, but just weren't on it today, were they at all? 
Not at all. I think you can look at it two ways, can't you? You can take you can take it on an individual game basis, which was absolutely rotten and we stunk the place out. Or you can take it in context and not press the panic button because we've lost the game two 0 and Everton is still top of the league. You know, let's have some perspective here. Um, just one thing I want to say as well. One thing I want to say actually as well, Dave. Just, you know, if, in, in interest of fairness, Southampton played dead well today, I thought as well. To be fair, yeah, I think I think they they did the homework. Um, Hassan Hootl has a knack of doing this. I mean, they they're a side that deal in extremes. I think they're either really good or really bad. And today we caught them on a really good day. Um, and, and you must pay credit to that. I think they nullified Everton superbly, isolated Calvert Lewin, put Vestergaard on him in a man marking capacity. And he's a bigger fella. He had the better of Dom. Dom wasn't allowed to charge at the ball from crosses because we didn't get that many in the box. And you do have to pay credit to, to Hassan Hootley. He has done his homework there. And that's what we're going to be up, to get up against, Matt, because we've made such an impact so far this season. I think I think teams in, in their tactical assessment pre-game will put that little bit of extra emphasis on Everton. So we're going to have to find different ways of playing uh, and, and, and hitting the targets that we've we've now set. Um, but going back to what I said about the, the general performance versus um, what we've done so far this season, I'm very much in the, the latter camp of what I said there. I think you do have to take it with context. Um, it becomes a concern and a worry if you string two or three of those inept performances together. I think the concern for me is that it wasn't so long ago that we saw that type of performance. So there is that lingering doubt in the back of your mind that it could be something that festers a little bit. Um, the fact we keep losing players to red guards uh, and injury. I mean, Hammers was, was knackered, wasn't he? Uh, it looked like his hamstring woodingly um, towards the end of the game. But Carlo had already made those substitutions, which I think were peculiar. Um, certainly to Corey going off, I thought it was really interesting. Um, I think there's probably probably needs to be a little bit of focus on that, given the personnel and the shape we took. But yeah, I mean, I'm I'm more tempted to say it was a bad day at the office um, because we haven't known anything different. It's been the exception to the rule so far this season. So I I think we owe it to this um, group of players and the manager this lightning start we've made that this sort of thing happens that the human beings and like you say before Matt you come up against a side that really knew how to handle us and, and sort of press us in the right areas into mistakes and I think we showed a little bit too much of naivety in midfield and I could tell end what Mark was saying about Alex Awobi couldn't agree more the irony in it all of course was that he got most of the ball for us in the first half and the player you're crying out to get it is on the other flank feeding him the ball um, and it seemed to me it was, it was a little bit of there was immaturity to Orby's performance I thought before he was hooked simply because he is a player who has been given very very little in terms of opportunity when he has come on he's done okay so far this season when he when he's um, in the Carabao Cup and particularly towards the end against Liverpool he looks fine to me but the, the issue you have there is he'll feel that what he's done since he's been included in that minimal amount of times is well, I, I've proved myself here. What more do I have to do to get in this side? And then when he's given the opportunity, he's trying so much to keep it that he feels every single time he gets the ball, he has to do something spectacular with it. He's that type of player. Um, and today it needed just a simple ball down the line to Luca Dean, who'd overlap so often and across into the box, even himself. There were so many moments when we had two or three against one or two on their left-hand side in the first half. And he yeah. decided to dwell on it either take a player on with a trick or come back inside and end up laying it off. So many times we got in good positions in the first half. I, I thought we, we should be firing shots in here, left, right and centre. Yet it seemed like the player that would get it 
30, 40 yards out and opt to go onto one of the flanks rather than playing it through the middle where there was plenty of space between Investigard and um, who's the other guy? Was it? No, it wasn't Stevens, was ben it? Narek, was it? Yeah, Ben, ben Narek, um, plenty of space there, and I thought we'd exploit that all all half long, but we didn't have anyone running behind, though, did we? You know, that's that's the you know the the only time in the match I can remember where someone made a running behind and the ball was put over the top was like seconds of him at me, Gordon coming on, and he gets away down the left hand side. Everything else was just to feet, and they were tenacious in midfield and. I think it's something you were saying, Rose, actually yesterday on, on the preview show in regards to, to Richarlison. And it's almost like when he gets the ball in, in the final third, everything seems to speed up. Whereas when Iwobi gets it, everything just seems yeah. to, to slow down. And it feels like we've got the player who can do that with Rodriguez. And he can sort of pick passes and you know find the ball and, and slow the game down to his pace when he, when he needs to. But you sort of need to balance that off, don't you, with somebody who's just going to get the ball and think, right, where's the goal? I'm going to go for it. Yeah, wait. Which in an ideal world would be Anthony Gordon, um, but I mean the immaturity that, that they've referenced with Alex will be there. Anthony Gordon has that also, but clearly it's a little bit more afforded to him just purely due to experience. Uh, I think the the important point you make is about getting runners beyond the ball, and we referenced earlier in the week about how obviously with Richarlison being out, there was probably an opportunity for Sigurdsson to come in and for Gomez to come out and Sigurdsson to be the one who got closest to Calvert-Lewin and linked up. And I think as much as we saw that in the first half, that's, as Dave mentioned, a couple of kind of puzzling substitutions. I think the Gilfie Sigerson one was up there with Decore for me. Uh, and it, it's not because Gilfie Sigerson had a great game, because clearly he didn't. But when you're chasing a game, he is always going to be the one who breaks the line in terms of the midfield three and just possibly get a little bit closer to give Carvalho some support. Dom looks so isolated in that last half hour today. And I appreciate that that was, that was probably an attitude point for, for Everton in, in terms of knowing that the game had gone and, and possibly not being as adventurous as they should have been. But I think that that one really puzzled me. I think it was a reactive substitution off at the back of a, a really poor five-yard ball yeah. from Sigurdsson. And you, you could quite clearly see Ancelotti waving Delph and, and Anthony Gordon back down the touchline because that, that in particular annoyed him. Um, how Alan stayed on the pitch ahead of Decore is beyond me. Uh, I know he's not someone who has been carrying an injury that we know of, but he looked like someone who needs a break. Um, He's clearly not going to get that purely from a numbers perspective going into the next few games. But he he really worried me today. I, I really hope that he's carrying an injury because if he's capable of those sorts of performances when he's not, then that that concerns me. And I know that we, we've seen far, far more good than bad from Alan so far. And we all know that he is integral to this 11 work. And, but performances like that today were... It always happens at Southampton as well. We said this before the show. Why Why do we go to St. Mary's and just throw our principles down the pan? A month short of, of the three-year anniversary of that horrifying game that we had on the Runsworth there, where, where again, Sigerson scored, but we were absolutely dreadful. It, it seems like a ground that, that good performances are, are few and far between. But I think that the worries that we had from an attacking point of view of Richarlison being out... They're clearly going to be compounded by someone like Luca Dean not being there next week. Um, a massive chance for Nkuku on that that left hand side, obviously. But it seems as though the combinations that we rely on, Dean and Richarlison, uh, Coleman and Hammers, that they've all broken down quite quickly. 
we know this is going to happen. Injuries and suspensions are not new, but the the relationships that that you rely on in terms of those couples on the pitch, they take so long to build. You, you saw someone like Godfrey today who is clearly out of position. It, it it's all very raw. That there's no natural chemistry between right back and, and right midfield, and it's exactly the same on the left hand side. But I think the the worrying aspect for me today was. Certainly from a numbers point of view, when, when the lineups were announced, you thought that the centre of midfield was where Everton were going to dominate, if at all, because Alan, Decore and Sigurdsson playing against Romeo and Warprouse, there was an opportunity for someone to be free there. And time and time again, it was referenced on commentary a couple of times. It looked as though for every one Everton player on the ball, there was three or four Southampton players behind them. You've, you've got to just more out of hope, put it down to a really bad day at the office um, for Everton and also for Carlo Ancelotti. I, I don't think it's it's a bad thing to say that he got it wrong. I think he, yeah. from a tactical point of view, Southampton totally did us today. Um, so, onwards and upwards. Yeah. It's a, yeah, go on, mate. I was just going to say, just to go back to Mark's point on uh, Alan, I think it's a couple of times so far this season and obviously it'll have gone by the wayside given the fact we've won all of our games up to this point, apart from the derby, um, that he, he does have a positional indiscipline at times. I, I've noticed it quite so, quite often, really, because, and, and it'll be due to a number of things, really, um, simply adapting to a, a new team and a new system. And also, harking back to his time at Napoli, where he would have been, I presume, somebody who would press really quickly as soon as the ball was lost in the midfield area in the opponent's half. I think he'd have had licence to go forward. Um, here for us, he, he's been found out doing that a couple of times, in my opinion. I think he feels as if he's one of those players that if the ball is lost by anyone in his team, he's the one who feels the responsibility yeah. to go and win it back. And, and whilst that's a superb attribute to have and something we very much need, the times when he's done that, we I've felt he's left us a little bit short. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I felt like I don't, I don't think he's got the pace to turn back and go again. If you look at, I mean, Godfrey obviously in a different position, but. The times when he lost it further upfield, he's got exhilarating pace to get back and at least throw a challenge in. With, with Alan, I feel like he'll he'll have the intent to do that and it's by no means due to a lack of effort, but he, he simply hasn't got that natural pace to get back from um, in, into a position where he can affect the midfield. And whilst you've got Decore, who will charge on, um, and whilst you've got Sigurdsson, who was playing slightly higher up the pitch anyway, I felt today we were exploited massively in midfield, and they'd have four against three so many so, so many times that the midfield were all trying to track back. None of them, apart from Decore, with any great pace, and it leaves you exposed. It leaves the back four exposed. I have to say, I was really surprised that Southampton only scored two in this game, and um, he didn't have glaring opportunities to make it any more than that. But in a positional sense, I felt that they, they had the, the, the run of St. Mary's, to be honest, just outside our 18-yard box and um, better better choices from them and um, worse defender from us. And, and it could have been a seriously, um, you know, really yeah. difficult scoreline to take. So um, we perhaps got away with one in, in that regard. Um, but, you know, it, I'm, I'm pretty glad that we've got an away game next um, in, in Newcastle. They would have I said the other night that they're a box of tricks, aren't they? You don't know what you're going to get from Newcastle. In much the same way in Southampton, really, but Newcastle seemed to do it in a little bit more extreme way. Um, and, and sort of with with an eye looking forward on that and how you bounce back 
it's almost a, a similar level of opposition, I think, uh, in terms of putting this right. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. Hopefully, like you said, it's just a bad day at the office. I mean, Ever- Everton didn't really show many signs of getting back into the game at all when it went to to two 0 There were a couple of times where you know Bernard got in down the left hand side, didn't even the second half, and pulled it back, and Rodriguez just can't quite sort his feet out. But the, you know, the, the hopes of Everton getting anything from the match effectively ended when Luca Dean was given his red card. I uh, just seen some quotes from Carlo Angelotti on this um, from the BBC. Um, he said the red card was a joke. It was not intentional, for sure. It was not violent. Maybe all the talk all week against Pickford, against Richarlison, affected the decision. And if so, it's not right. It's not fair. We will appeal, for sure. Uh, Luca Dean's been on Twitter already, uh, retweeting Gary Lineker, saying it's not a red card. Uh, Jamie Redknapp on Sky, I've just seen as well, was saying it's ridiculous if he got sent off. It, it should have been a yellow at the most. And the fact that saying people make the decisions and never play the game... Um, this is, this is the thing you guys were arguing a bit about in, in the, the group message. I thought David cried off. That's why he was late for, for, this, uh, for this podcast. But um, I, I don't, you know, it's, 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 I think it's irrelevant because Everton aren't getting back into that football match anyway. But certainly going forward, it could be a big loss for us. I, I don't think it's a red card. It obviously looks horrendous. I think he's trying to avoid the contact. Feet get tangled up and he stands on his, on his ankle. And, and that's, that's it, really. It should be a yellow and, and, and we move on. But um, he's been given his marching orders. Um, Moose, what did, what did you make of it, mate? Um, I can't disagree with anything that Ancelotti says. Um, it, I appreciate that it's cynical and it's reckless and it's made out of frustration, but you, you can slow any contact down on a camera and make it look really dangerous. And I appreciate that it looks like he's stamped on his ankle for a prolonged period of time there, but feet get stamped on like that in every single Premier League game and I think if you're going to start giving red cards for that we'll have 7v7 and I I, I, I get it because the fact that it's it's not premeditated by any means but it, it's purely out of frustration and as soon as the referee feels that there's an emotion behind the tackle going in I think that's when the red card starts to come into mind and um, he's got his hands up before the opposition player hits the deck because he, he clearly knows that it's a foul um, I, I think it's incredibly harsh you saw from the reaction of Everton players it was just one of bewilderment um, I, I think we were, we were all sat around or certainly the players were waiting for VAR to overturn it and I, I don't think I think you can slow that down I don't think there's any way that that gets overturned by VAR I don't think there's any way it gets rescinded in the week um, and, and that's because it's got to be so clear and obvious nowadays for that sort of decision to occur. Um, I think Ancelotti is by no means off the mark in terms of what he says about the kind of media build-up to this this week. Um, Dave, I think you said on, on Twitter this week that you wouldn't be surprised at all to see Everton handed a red card, be it justified or not. Um, so I, I think that has definitely played its part. But I think Luca Dean can find himself very hard done to, but we're, we're probably in a situation whereby that doesn't get overturned. Uh, and whether you think that's because we're Everton or not is irrelevant at the moment. Dave? I think I think what people conflate in these situations is intent. Um, and if I was to show our listeners and viewers to this, our WhatsApp group after it, minus the expletives and Mark. <laughs> Matt threatening my health. Um, <laughs> I don't think it matters if he's chasing him with a bunch of flowers and a box of chocolates to say, well, don't forget him past me. He, he, the contact 
I think is poor enough for it to be a red card. I think what um, whoever it was, Jamie Redknapp, I think it was probably the first intelligent comment he's ever made in his life. If he's if he's talking about um, the the intent of it and play uh, referees being in charge of games who've never played the game before, then I I, I do agree with that. I think. Where, where it's not a red card, you'd have to understand the game and how it works. Because it, 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 where it's such a grey area for me is, I, I don't, I don't think it's beyond the realms of a ridiculous decision. I'll, I'll go as far as saying that it could have been a yellow. Um, well, I think it's very naive from Luca Dean because having been done, and he chases back, which is fine, absolutely. He stays in the line of his legs and the only way he's going to win the ball is by coming around the side he mm. stays directly behind him so the, 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 the odds of a collision if he catches up with him which he does are quite high he, you know, he's, sorry, he's quite low he's going, to, he's going to catch up with him and therefore risk contact um, he had no chance of winning the ball but stays in that line nonetheless he's got his hands up already I don't know why um, because the, well, there should have been a free kick previously on yeah. the slow motion replay it seems like the lad there's a little, little bit of a contact initially with Dean, yeah, and then he puts his hands up to say nothing there, and then he, the, you know, that initial contact seems to send them both, you know, legs tangle yeah. again, and then that's where the, the you know, the, he treads on his ankle effectively. So I think Dean feels the contact, then goes like that to say I've not touched him, which every footballer does in, in that situation, yeah. and that's sort of where it's it's come from. Well, I mean, I I, I have to say I, I stick with my opinion there. I think Luca Dean's a little bit naive, and. It felt as if that, as as he closes in on him, it felt like a collision was inevitable. I think what's actually given the red is the seriousness inverted commas of the contact because I mean, is it Walker Peters? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he he goes down, and I found this quite funny. Really, he berates Luca Dean whilst he's on the floor, and then proceeds to hold his Achilles or his ankle like it's just come off. Um, so there's a bit, there's obviously a bit of gamesmanship there to try and purposely get him sent off. Um, but what, what I mean, the most overwhelming thing from it, Matt, is we're missing our key left-back who provides assist after assist. Um, and well, the, that, I mean, the manager said he's going to appeal. The manager's going to say he's appeal. It won't get overturned. It won't get overturned based on the contact. I've seen the, the, um, the swell of what if you know, can I just go, obviously it's just going off social media, but... There's a lot of prominent voices out there saying that it wasn't, and I think that's that that is important in these things. Well, they, obviously, this is Everton, and there's a feeling we got away with a couple last week, which sort of Carlo has has referenced there in the way in which we've been covered this week. So obviously, he's not particularly happy about that. So, but you know, I I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be totally surprised either way. I think it's probably a fifty fifty one for me whether they'll overturn that. Nah, you won't overturn it because you've already looked at it. That, that, I mean, they, they would be defying the referee and. The VAR, if they were to overturn, I think that's the problem these days. I think very little will get rescinded, if not when it's done on the pitch. If you get what I mean, I think VAR would have rescinded it and blanked out the the red card if if they thought that you know obviously um, it wasn't a red. But um, yeah, I, I feel as if when people are talking about how it's not a red, I I, I will believe most of them to mean that the intent isn't there and it's purely accidental. But I'm not too sure if that matters anymore. You know, he, he could have he could have done his Achilles, that lad, uh, Walk Peters. And what do we say? That's not a red card because Luca Dean didn't mean it. Well, nobody, I don't think anybody means, we're going back to last week here, aren't we? I don't think anybody means to injure, injure somebody. But nonetheless, it happens. Is it still a red card? Yeah. I, I think it is. Um, but like I say today, 
bit of a grey area, but I'm not surprised he gave a red. Um, and that, that's not because I thought he was targeting Everton in particular, even though I tweeted that earlier in the week. I believe it was because he, he, he thought it was a genuine red, and I can see why. I think the, the disappointing definition of why he's been sent off is violent conduct. I, I don't watch that. Is that one it'll go down as? Is that is that the only way you can get a straight red? More than like or professional foul. I mean, I, I, professional I, foul. I'll be able What's that? So like serious foul play, it'll be able Yeah, potentially. Yeah, yeah. I, ju- I just don't. The, the word serious and violence, but they do kind of go hand in hand with intent. Uh, and I know that I know that reckless challenges happen that are dangerous. That have no premeditated nature about them. It just it just didn't feel like the threshold had been broken with that challenge today. Uh, I, I know that we go back to all of the arguments from, from last weekend and and quite honestly, if, if Merseyside police haven't been contacted with an assault case, then then someone really needs to get onto them quite quickly. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we'll get the position started uh, after this podcast. Uh, in regards to that, um, but yeah, we'll, we'll wrap it up then. Just just overall, lads, you're not, not not getting too down about that. Just doesn't no. matter, isn't it? You, you're open. We can brush off. Obviously, there's going to be a few lads out next weekend if, if that red card doesn't get overturned. But I'm quite confident he can bounce back against Newcastle. I think it'll be a, you know a game much more suited to our talents and the plays we've got. Um, so I'm not not feeling too down or, or too angry with, with at anyone tonight. Really, it's. I suppose we all said we'd lose at some point. It's about how we bounce back. Well, I mean, if it's a, like I said at the start, you take it two ways, don't you? I mean, I'm not despondent because we're Everton still position themselves after an excellent start to the season. I'm not. We're not in a position to berate them now. But if you take the performance in isolation, and and obviously the, the concern is if they turf that sort of thing out again, that's when it does become a a lot, a lot much more of a bigger problem, doesn't it? But as an individual match, I mean, we stunk the place out. It, 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 I, I watched. I found myself watching it with a wry smile, to be honest, Matt, because you, me and you messaged beforehand, I think in the, in the Blue Room WhatsApp group, we talked quite a lot about, still feels like there's something ominous about this type of fixture. Um, the sad thing for me is that it came to pass in a way in which we're all too familiar with, and, and that's what is, uh, is quite difficult to digest here, because, you know, not least, it was a big opportunity. We, we actually could have put distance for, you know, Simon Liverpool could have gone three above them with a superior goal difference and a bit of drift of everybody else below them. Um, it, was a, it was a genuine game in hand to extend the lead at the top of the Premier League. So um, that's where it, it, it stings, I think, a little bit. But we're not, I don't think we're in a position to openly criticise anybody involved. Even Alex Iwobi, who, who was poor, as we've said, um, probably continues the narrative of him not being anywhere near the value of £35 million from when we signed him. But you still can't throw daggers that way because that squad, that team, everybody you have to include as one big collective has been outstanding, but for the sake of one game and they're still top of the league. So I'm, I'm taking it in context as much as I possibly can. Um, but if we're sat here at the end of the season and we've missed out on Champions League or maybe even something more glorious than that, I'll be like, I want Alex Iwobi out of this football club. <laughs> Alan, Alan's an old man and Luca Dean's an idiot. I think the reflection of of the present and the recent past is is clearly a very positive one. Um, it, it goes without saying that if you offered us this position eight or eight to ten weeks ago, we'd all absolutely bite your hand off. But I think the the disappointment with today, and for want of a better word, the worry of of what could come in the next few weeks is. They're just akin to what being at the top feels like. This is what happens when the only way is down because the 
what we spoke about on on our preview show this week about pressure carrying a privilege that these are these are the sort of games and these are the sort of challenges that you quite have to that you quite simply have to face if you want to be in the top four or six of this league um it, it's not always going to be fantastic and everyone's fit and we're, we're banging five in and hammers looks fantastic you are going to have to to take a couple of games like this on the chin you are going to have to bounce back when not everyone's available so it's just a it's, it's a reality of what a premier league season looks like but it, one that is still incredibly positive for the Blues. Do you know, Matt, kind of just before yeah, you correct. round up, when, just before you round up, um, I spoke at length, as you can imagine, on the long con before, uh, with Rob Vieira um, last week about this, what, what happens when the knockbacks come, uh, what happens when you drop your first points against Liverpool, how do you react to that? The answer we've got is emphatically in a really poor way. Um, then what happens when you are inflicted your first defeat We'll obviously find that out next week. Um, but what I, what I do think this serves out, um, more importantly, is a little bit of perspective. Dare to say, keeping us rooted on the floor. Now, whilst we haven't seen any signs of Everton getting above themselves in any way whatsoever, I think everybody, the messages from the club, the way everybody's spoken about this, is that it's a good start that we hope to continue and nothing more than that yet. I think it's important to keep that message. And this defeat will help in that way because... I believe a side that hasn't been successful in its recent past probably needs something like this to keep it grounded because pressure builds. When you, when you haven't been successful before and you start winning every game of football, all of a sudden you're looking at each other thinking, lads, there's no way this continues. And you start to become a self-fulfilling prophecy in many ways. The fact that this has happened early might, might help that situation in terms of Right, okay, well, we're not invincible to, to anything like this. We're perhaps not as good as we all thought we were. Having that thought process, I think, is really important. Yeah. Um, because as much as we want confidence and as much as we want this team to puff its chest out and say that we're better than a lot of other teams in the Premier League, I, I still feel we need to keep in front and centre that this is still the Premier League and any side can, can beat us. Um, so with that in mind, I think, if anybody was getting above the station, which, like I said, I don't think there's any evidence of that, but it just, I think, keeps everybody calm, centred, focused. I don't believe for one minute Carlo Ancelotti's gone into that dressing room at the end of the game and started throwing things around and, and kicking off on people. He'll take that in his stride. And I sounded quite, sound quite angry talking about that record. Of course, yeah, all, all, all that stuff. Um, it, the only thing I hope he doesn't do is focus on that as an excuse for us losing this game because... I'm sure he won't because we, we know what type of class he is. Somebody of his calibre recognises the bigger picture in all of this and, and I think he'll do that and I think there'll be a calm reaction and an eagerness to put things right rather than an explosive, you know, confrontational, really hot-headed type of reaction to it. The players will be hurting and we hope so and more keen to put it right. So, look, we're at the point now, another question has been asked at this side and the start it's made Let's see how they answer it next week. Yeah, we lost one football match. It's you know, it's it happens, it happens. But uh, yeah, fingers crossed they can bounce back next week. Uh, thanks very much to everyone listening. Thanks to everyone, to everyone watching on YouTube, especially all the Reds in the comments. Lovely to see you were crossing, you know, hands across Stanley Park in that sense. Great to have so many, so many people from the Red side getting involved and watching our content. So yeah, spread the word, red or blue, about the Blue Room. Of course, we're going to be back all week reflecting on this game. Looking ahead to the match against Newcastle as well, we hope the Premier League leaders and the Arsenal, the Premier League leaders, can bounce back from a disappointing day. So thanks very much to Mark, thanks very much to Dave, and we'll speak to you again very soon here on the Blue Room.
With the new Chevy Silverado, you might be driving in this. But with the Silverado's redesigned interior and large infotainment screens, it'll feel more like this. Introducing the new 2022 Chevy Silverado. Find new upgrades. Find new roads. Chevrolet. Sports Social Podcast Network.